Today's episode of The Mismatch on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unpredictable like the three best PER seasons in NBA history happening this year. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's episode is also brought to you by Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig. Much like a premium espresso machine, but it makes cocktails instead. There are over two dozen different drinks to choose from, so there's literally something for everyone. And you can try something new. The only way to get the amazing Drinkworks Home Bar with exclusive savings plus free shipping, go to drinkworks.com. Use our code RINGERNBA, R-I-N-G-E-R-N-B-A, at checkout to save 50 bucks and get free shipping. Don't wait. The amazing offer won't last, and it's only for our listeners. That's drinkworks.com, and use our code RINGERNBA. R-I-N-G-E-R-N-B-A at checkout. And remember, please enjoy responsibly. Drinkworks Home Bar is currently available in California, New York, Florida, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Illinois, with more states available for pre-sale today at drinkworks.com. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Croissant, aka Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin Verno. What's going on this Tuesday morning, man? Well, uh, the first thing on the docket is that is now 12 straight wins for the dominant Milwaukee Bucks, who oh have moved to 18 and three. On the season, the best record in the NBA after killing the Knicks last night. Giannis had an easy 29 and 15 in just 22 minutes of play. And they obviously lost some guys uh, to free agency, most exclusively uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who I happened to see play in person last night and is fantastic. Um, They lost Chris Middleton for a time with an injury Uh, that has mattered not. They have been a dominant team so far this year sitting at 18 and three and now 12 in a row what do we make of this bucks team just not only keeping on trucking i think you know general consensus was they might take a little step back after an unbelievable year last year but it appears there is no step back kevin I would say the Giannis Antetokounmpo dunk last night on Julius Randle when he drove the lane and from outside the restricted area just leaped, stretched his arm out like Michael Jordan in Space Jam and dunked the ball over Julius Randle is a symbol for what this Bucks team has done over this 12-game winning streak. It's just really remarkable to watch. Well, and Randle is no like wimpy guy. No, he's strong. That's a, that's a big, strong guy, and he just got bullied all the way to the fl- uh, all the way to the goal, and then got spiked on at the end. I mean, what what's going on with Giannis right now is about as crazy a thing as we have seen in a long, long time. And in fact, so far this season, he is putting up the best per number that has ever been in NBA history, Kevin. 
No one has not Wilt, not Jordan, not LeBron, you know, and they are the ones that litter that uh that leaderboard in terms of the best PERs ever. And this guy so far is having the best player efficiency rating season that has happened so far. And you ready for this one? You ready to go? You, you want me to go ahead and knock you on your ass just, at the just, very yeah, beginning? Knock, knock me on my ass, Chris. On knock the me very on my beginning ass. of the pod. I ain't even waiting. We're not even teasing this out. How about this? Okay. So Will Chamberlain had the record going into this year of the best PER season in NBA history. 31.82. Okay. And then the leaderboard is as follows. Wilt, Wilt, Jordan in 87-88, LeBron in 08-09, and then Jordan, Wilt, LeBron, and then you have Curry's unbelievable 15-16 season at 31.46. Now, say whatever you want about PER. I think we would all agree that those pretty well line up to amazing offensive seasons that have taken place over the years, and it is a collection of the best players of all time. That being said, that was going into this year, that Wilt number, right? If you look at it right now, the greatest PER season in NBA history is Giannis and the number he is putting up right now. Now, how about this? The second best PER season in NBA history as of right now is Luka Doncic this season. The third best PER season in NBA history is James Harden this season, and then fourth would be Wilt. Right now, about 20 games into the season, we are witnessing the three greatest PER seasons ever recorded in the same season. And it would move Wilt down to number four if this were to hold. This is crazy what is happening with these three. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. And it's similar with other advanced stats, too. You can look at something like box plus minus, for example, uh, on basketballreference.com. Their, their B- BPM number has Luca and Giannis and Harden still in the top 10, too. That number doesn't go as far back to the days of Wilt Chamberlain. I believe it's since like the 75, 76 seasons, because that's when they have good enough box score data for that number. But Regardless of your feelings on a single number metric, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Regardless of like how much you love stats or hate stats, it's at least a reflection of these remarkable seasons that we've seen from some of these guys so far this year, man. Like this MVP race with Giannis, with Luca, with Harden, with LeBron, with Pascal Siakam, whoever else you want to throw in that. We're witnessing some historic basketball right now, and the number at least is an indication of that, even if it's something you don't care a hell of a lot about. Just watch the games, and and you will see just the magic that we're witnessing on the court. It does feel like records are just going to be absolutely shattered. With the way that basketball has changed and the scoring being so high and these individual seasons being so crazy. You know, I I heard Bill bring this up on a podcast last week where he broached the subject with House like it you know, seeing these numbers are are we going to end up looking back on this as an era like like we did like where like the steroid era where it's like <laughs> all of those all of those numbers in baseball it's like okay, th- those were numbers that were put up against your peers and that's the only thing that we can judge you on but those numbers look silly as compared to nowadays right once upon a time when i was a little kid i could rattle off and i would tell you that you know the top 10 
in in home run hitting, and it was uh, you know, and you would get to guys like Harmon Killebrew or Eddie Matthews, and, f- and 500 home runs was such a huge deal. And there were like lithographs with the, there's the 500 club of the guys that have done it. And like now, I don't want to say it's meaningless, but like nobody gives a crap. And that I couldn't even tell you who's in the top 10 anymore. There's a bunch of guys that have hit over 600 home runs um, at this point, and. You do wonder if the record book is just getting uh, torn apart with the way the basketball is being played right now. Sure. And, you know, part of that is a a symptom of the fact that league pace is higher than it's ever been since the 85-86 season. Teams are playing fast. Teams are shooting more threes. Teams are playing more analytics savvy basketball to raise their efficiency and therefore raise their raw scoring numbers, their raw box scoring numbers. And, and that's what makes it so difficult to compare error to error there, you know, with, especially if you're looking at points, rebounds, assists, the typical, you know, slash line, uh, a lot of people use to talk about players. This is why sometimes like looking at a per possession or per 36 minute number is a bit more valuable, especially per possession. Cause you can at least regulate what a player has done between errors with the game being so much faster today than it was just five years ago, way more faster than it was 10 years ago, way faster than it was 20 years ago. The game drastically changes between eras. And the rule changes have changed things dramatically of of even course. in the last yeah. couple of years you know you know i do a, a a show with tony allen every week who's one of the great defenders uh perimeter defenders in nba history and he will constantly tell me you know when he goes to games that the way they call if you grab a guy on the perimeter or you put a hand on him or you put an elbow on him like even you're talking three four years ago when when he was that guy that you would put on the best player on the other team, a lot of that stuff gets called now. He couldn't. He finds that he could not be as physical as he was even three four years ago. You know, would you like to see defenders get a, a little bit getting a little bit more leeway in terms of pushing and tugging and being more aggressive, like like the days of Tony Allen and Bruce Bowen and Ron Artest and guys like that. I do think that defenders being able to be more physical um, is I, – I do think it makes for better basketball, right? Is there a difference between more people wanting to watch it versus what is actually better, right? Um, is there a way to uh, – is there a way to make basketball – better by giving the defense some of their advantages back where it's actually a better product, um, yet it may not be as appealing. So that's that's the hard part right now, right? Well, it, it, it's tough, though, because like then, you know, then last night you have uh, the Sports Business Journal reporting numbers that numbers this year are still down in terms of TV ratings. TNT down 23%, ESPN down 20%. A lot of the RSNs, the the local sports networks, are down as well. The 13% total just in, into one month, we and it's early, this, but though, still. Kevin. Yeah, we, we, we did. We, we did. We, we did. We covered like, this, and I, you know, look, I, I stand where I stand on this. I do think, I, I saw Mark Cuban broach this subject over the weekend, and I thought it was really interesting that he was talking about how you know, someplace like the NFL or some of these others that you can, you know, that they are the ones that are kind of married to cable. Yes. You really need to have, you really need to have cable and that the next frontier of this streaming, which is what everybody does. There's a lot of people that don't even have cable at their house anymore. Yeah. Right. He's right. And I'm with him. 
And so I do think that, you you know, because you got automatic viewers just by the fact that you you were one of the channels that was in everybody's house. But now, in many cases, you're not a channel in everybody's house anymore, and especially with that younger generation. And I will tell you, as somebody with kids, they they, they couldn't tell you anything that's on TV. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. I, really? It's crazy. Seriously, I mean, that's it's all huh. on their Kindle. It's all on huh. their iPad. It's all on demand. There is nothing that they like the same way that I knew that, you know, whatever, what time the Fresh Prince was on or when Saved by the Bell was on. Do, on do the they weekends. not watch like Nickelodeon or anything? They like do. That? But, but, but again, on there, it doesn't have on, to be at a time. Huh, interesting. Because I, I mean, I remember I remember always have, like tuning into like. Yes. Dragon Ball Z or Absolutely. like, you know, I'd want to watch certain shows at a certain time every that single day or nothing. every single week. There is huh. not one thing. The only thing is my son is a massive sports fan. So the only thing is games. That's it. That I would tell you that is the only thing. And how about this? My dad is, uh, how old is my dad? My dad's seven. He, he turned 73 in the spring. My dad doesn't watch anything live. Nothing. He's 73, Kevin. Everything is Apple TV or taped. You successfully taught him how to use the technology. Well, no, he once he got Apple TV and he got Netflix and he got Hulu and all these different things, like that's what he wants to watch. Hey, he's got, he's pretty good at learning. A lot of older people, my my, my parents have had a hard time, especially my dad with <laughs> some of the technological aspect no. of navigating to Netflix. It's not hard at all actually. It's quite yeah. easy. <laughs> well, and and what's, what's what's crazy is with my father, my father, how about this? He's now to the point where say he'll watch like some show that he wants. Like he watches every single St. Louis Blues game. He still lives and dies with them, right? But there was a night over the weekend I called him and I was like, oh my God, did you see that? And he was like, don't tell me, I've got it taped. He tapes games because, you know, it's 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 eye-opening because he ain't on social media and he's watching something that is like on Netflix or something. So there's no like rolling score. He can really be surprised at what happens in games and tapes them. And then watches him whenever he gets to it. Yeah. It's great because he doesn't live on the internet. He doesn't live on social media. He's not watching something that has a rolling scoreboard. And so he can actually watch the games later. So anyways, that's the whole next frontier. And I do think Cuban's right about that. But I have told you, you spent the last 40 years of NBA basketball promoting superstars. And the, two, and the three biggest stars by far right now, I would say, are LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Well, Curry and Durant aren't playing, and LeBron's on the West Coast. And Curry is on the West Coast whenever he does play. And so I do think that's hard um, when you're talking about your biggest stars are playing in many cases at 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. I think that, you know, we saw the ratings go down last year, and I do think there's a LeBron effect to that. And you also have even the guys that you were promoting that are in the Central and Eastern time zone. You know, the Knicks don't have anybody now that people are going out of their way to watch, and and it's a big market. The Bulls really don't have anybody that you're going out of your way to watch. So some of the big market teams don't have huge stars. And then Zion Williamson got hurt. You know, and they they put him on TV what forty times or whatever. Well, so you could even mention playing. somebody. You could even mention someone like Kyrie Irving, one of the most popular jerseys, one of the most popular sneakers, yeah. and right now he's not playing either. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't think it's the product. I don't think it's the basketball that has hurt the ratings. I think there's a lot of mitigating factors. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's put it this way. It's not just one thing, no matter typically whatever big issue you're talking about socially or, or with the business like the NBA, it's never just one thing. Um, but it's a lot of these factors put together that combine into the, just the fact that I think the biggest one though is what Cuban touched on. The fact that these games are on cable, they are not on CBS. They're not on Fox. They're not on NBC. Everybody has those has those channels if they have a basic cable tv plan and the only things they would have to worry about is nfl network and the games aren't even on nfl network on thursday nights anymore (laughs) they're on fox this season i tell you this if i and if i'm the nba if i'm the powers that be and i could have a redo i'd go back and i put the mavs on 40 times instead of the pelicans you know (laughs) i mean if if you can have a redo because you give out that schedule and you give out that national TV schedule based on what you think is going to happen. But all anybody's talking about, like so far, Giannis and what he's doing nightly. Sure, yeah. And Luca, Luca is the thing. I mean, but how many of their games that if you don't have League Pass, are you watching? Honestly, like how many times are you getting to see him? Um, and he is exposed to a monster national audience. All us basketball heads are watching it and are aware of how ridiculous what he is doing so far is, but it's not like he's on center stage all the time. And if you could have a redo on that, certainly he would be one that you would be putting front and center to promote your product, right? Well, you know, it's, you're right, but also like you can, you can get the idea of how great he's been just by watching the game on social media, by looking at his highlights on Instagram, looking at scrolling through Twitter and seeing everybody talking about him and, and the videos and the articles that are, are created about him. You can get an idea even without seeing the games too. So that's part. But that of doesn't it. help the ratings, is what no, I'm no, saying. No, I know, no, I know. It doesn't help the ratings, but people still know. It's just it, because that's what happens in college. I mean, how many times did you go out of your way to watch Zion or watch Trey Young when he was kicking, or even like back in the day when it was you know you knew Jimmer Fredette's BYU team was going to be on, and he was putting up that crazy <laughs> season or whatever it would be. I mean, I go out of my way all the time to watch college players all the time, and that's just not right in the NBA. It's not it's not the same. It's just not. And I do think that West Coast thing hurts the most. I do. Sure. Having the biggest stars over there and obviously a couple of them being out. Um, I saw a team that has been very hot, uh, the Pacers, who I bailed on early. Not bailed on, but I just I, I thought you that dumped maybe, them. You no, dumped them. I said that look, it was my <laughs> it was our uh what was it, our overreaction at the very beginning of the season. And I said they're gonna miss. I, I I underestimated their depth last year and <laughs> guys that they are going to miss. And look, they're sixth place right now in the Eastern Conference, but I saw them in person last night. TJ Warren has totally found his bearings with that team and has proven to be a guy that can play uh, totally within a winning concept. Brogdon has been fantastic, and they've gotten Miles Turner back now. And so they got Turner and Sabonis, who are a formidable front line that most of the league have a, a lot of trouble matching up with. Jeremy Lamb has been very good for them. I mean, he's only gotten to play in 11 games, but he's averaged 17 a game uh, so far this year for them. And and they got some guys off the bench that can do some stuff. And just they are a totally solid team that are going to be you know they're going to win a bunch of games they'll be well over 500 and they'll be a hard out when it comes to the playoffs I don't know if they have the you know the playoff performer that I can take this game over 
and drop 30 on you guy, but they got a bunch of good players and they are just decidedly good. That's what they are. They're good. They they fit your uh they have they don't play guys who suck. Really, no, right? they really don't. Right? Yeah. They really don't. I mean, they you know, it's like TJ McConnell and Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott and the other Holiday kid and that's kind of who they bring off the bench and those guys are just like certainly when they're mixed in with the starters, you know, and and then they got those guys. I mean, they got guys like Sabonis can go big and Brogdon can go big and Warren can go big. Every once in a while Jeremy Lamb will have a really big night. So I mean, they got enough, but I mean, they they're just solid. They're a solid team. Like, I mean, I watched them play last night. There wasn't, there was like a, a Sabonis dunk that was pretty nice. But other than that, you're just watching that game and you look up at the end and it's like the experience of watching the Pacers is like, wow, Brogdon had like, you know, whatever, 19, 8, and 6. Like, I didn't even notice. Because like, there's nothing spectacular that takes place. It's just them playing solid team basketball. Well, that that everything you're saying, it, I can't help but think about an article that I saw yesterday on SB Nation by Caitlin Cooper, and she wrote about there's a, this great piece about how Sabonis is such a tremendous screener, just the little intricacies of his game that make him such a formidable force, and, and springing loose a Malcolm Brogdon in the pick and roll or Jeremy Lamb, the angles he takes, and just how fundamentally sound he is as a screener how he is effective on the roll and the little things that he does crashing the offensive boards to get second op- second chances for Indiana. It's those little things that are in a way for a lot of fans, not exciting to watch that help make this team so good despite not having a little yep. despite having other guys be out like Turner missing time. It's the little things that this team does that keeps them in it. That keeps them afloat without their best player, Victor Oladipo. And for this team, you do hope Oladipo, when he does return, is himself at some point soon because they have the pieces on this roster to at least be super competitive in the Eastern Conference, but I they lack that guy that you're talking about. They, la- they lack that 30-point-per-game scorer who can go out and get a ton of buckets for you against a set defense in a one-on-one situation. And Oladipo, the last time we saw him healthy, he showed that he can be that type of player. He had his struggles in the playoffs that Indiana lost, but that's part of the growing pains for for a, a first time player who is the go to guy in the postseason. And with Indiana, he, he has Brogdon now by his side, and I I think Brogdon. We've talked about him before, Chris. Brogdon has been outstanding, and I I think with him, his two way play, the role he can settle into. When Oladipo comes back as the complimentary go-to guy who can step up in times of need, but is more or less going to be cutting and spot up shooting and defending his ass off. They could have a stellar backcourt and a stellar front court with Turner Sabonis and then a bunch of guys in between who can fill the fill the blanks. This team could be really, really good if Oladipo's himself. I agree with you. So it's very possible that they are they're adding their best player into the mix and help is on the way. Regarding Sabonis, so much of what I watched Mark Gasol do for so many years is Sabonis, which is catch the ball at the elbow, turn and face up, and he can bang that shot every time. But if you come out on him, he can find a cutter or he can kick it out to somebody shooting an open three. I mean, I watched him have eight assists last night. He is awesome. I love Sabonis. I really do. I think he is just a fantastic player who people don't get to see as much, but he is so good at so many things. And he rebounds his ass off, too. He's always in the mix. 
He guards when, you know, like, you know, so many of these guys we, we pick apart. We say, ah, oh, Jokic is an amazing passer, but I mean, his defense, oh my goodness. Or maybe he looks out of shape. Like this guy, there's no, like, there's no grand flaw in him. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot, um, makes his teammates better, rebounds, plays defense every time down the court. I love him. I love him. I hope he makes the all-star team. He might as a front court guy. Yeah, he might. He might. Yeah. I He's mean, putting so, up a big season. He's 18 and 13 right now. That is, those are. Now, now that you mention it, we're, we're about a month away I know from when the, when the NBA is going to send out their ballots for people to vote for all-star, when fans are going to start voting. It's getting close. Boy. It is. Flies. Wow. With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care, some shave their heads, some embrace hats, but what they don't know is there's an FDA-approved medication designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA, your online visit is free. Consult a U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in the waiting room. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you free. Two-day shipping in discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key, and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NBA show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. Today's show also brought to you by Google Assistant. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. Hey, Google, how many three-point shots has Vince Carter hit in his career? Here's what I have for Vince Carter, an all-time NBA total of 2,244 three-pointers. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. All right, so one, uh, while it has worked well for the Pacers and their kind of new-look team and having to do without uh, Oladipo, what do we make of what has happened with the Jazz? They have they gotten oh, popped boy. a few times, so they got they got uh, you know just run out in in Toronto, and then they were down huge uh, last night at halftime. the 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 ending score looks a little better than it was. I mean, they're down eighteen to the Sixers. Um, Conley, who has already struggled a lot this year, um, went out with an injury, and he has really struggled for them. And I'll be honest with you, I saw them in person. On what night was it? Friday night? So this is before they went. And, I mean, if it, uh, Royce O'Neal hit a dagger in that game. But, I mean, they were playing the, the Grizzlies, who have one of, one of the worst records. And it was a nip-tuck game for most of the game. Like, I just – their starters are good. But, man, they really need Conley to be awesome. And he has not been because they go to that bench – Joe Ingles has been miserable, and he was miserable in the playoffs last year, so this is just a continuation. And they bring off Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, you know, these guys have been losing players. Uh, Dante Exum. <laughs> Dante Exum looks fat to me. He just looks 
way out of shape. What? Yeah. And and Ed Davis, who I liked what? in free agency. Shots he's been, fired. He's been, wow. he's been bad for them. Wow. Shots I mean, fired. Look, I mean. I was not expecting you to say Dante Exum looks fat. He did. He did. I mean, what do you want me to say? I saw him in person. Oh, my God. Look, they, they they lost, you know, not not like all-stars, but guys that are really good role players. Jay Crowder, Derek. Like, you look at their rotation in the playoffs last year. Jay Crowder, Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio. And, you know, Conley's just, he's really struggled. And he, he, he that's who really they've replaced him with. They've replaced Crowder, Favors, Rubio with Conley, Green, Moutier. And it's like, it hasn't, because Conley has been bad, that hasn't been, a good trade out. I just looked up. I just googled Dante Exum weight, and yep. uh, from from Andy Larson preseason, um, Dante Exum went from being listed at six six one ninety to six five two fourteen. I told you. <laughs> I'm not, and not only this, hey, he shrunk too. <laughs> <laughs> he gained twenty four pounds oh, and shrunk. Geez. Okay, have um, you seen him? Yeah, I've I've I have watched Utah recently. It's nice to he see looked, XM on the court, even though he does not look good. He does not look like the Dante XM that I loved before the twenty fourteen. No, draft. I, you're you're used to a long, slender, defensive minded athlete, and he is. He looks like uh, Boris Diaw. Oh come on, he does. <laughs> and Boris right. Diaw, but uh, was wait. Maybe he's trying to honor him. They're both from France. Maybe he's trying to honor Diaw. But Diaz is obviously an infinitely better player. Exum is just like, boy, you're firing shots at Exum over well, here. Look, but, uh, but, uh, I like that Jazz team. I hated the Moutier and Green signings, but whatever. I loved the Conley and Ed Davis signings. And Conley's just not been good for them. And and that's the thing. What what's right? wrong with him, Chris? Come on, give I, us the scoop. What's wrong with Mike Conley? What's I the scoop? really I really don't know. I do think that there is, I think that. When you have played for 12, 13 years of your career and you've been Come the on. guy, and no, I'm saying you've been the guy. The ball has been in his hands. Come on. It has. This is, this is no excuse. No, I'm not making an excuse. You hey, Listen, there are, you're going to learn as you get older. There are reasons and there are excuses. And you can decide with, if it's a reason or an excuse. But I would tell you it is a reason why he has struggled to adjust is because he has been in control of the offense and he has been the guy that with, 10 seconds left on the shot clock. He's never played with anybody that can dribble, for God's sakes, much less being off the ball so much, which he has, and it's a different type of team than he has ever been a part of. He has been playing pick and roll with a with a big that, you know, rolled for many years and now pops out in Mark Gasol. Um, and Rudy Gobert is, he ain't popping out. He ain't ever shooting the ball past six feet. And so I, I just think there's adjustments to make. I, I think I think with Conley, I look at I look at this this number is what worries me most. He's shooting shooting forty eight percent within three feet of the rim for his career in Memphis. He was at fifty eight percent. That's a number that scares me. A guy who I don't I don't seem to think he has as much explosiveness with his first step. Or around the rim, he just looks like a guy that doesn't have that same pop he had before. Not that he was ever dunking on guys or anything like that, but he was able to elevate it, at least able to elevate enough around the rim to score efficiently. 
in that area. All right, that's a number it, it, that that's a number that scares me. And you know, you, you and I texted about this last week though, but like he's still getting only like three or four four fewer pick and roll ball handling possessions per game. It's not a drastic drop off. It's not from seventeen to three. It's, I, it's from right. seventeen to fourteen. He's still getting. I, I would also tell you that now again, this is just my opinion. I would be interested, and and maybe it would. Maybe this will fly in my face because I haven't looked this up. I'd be interested in seeing what his numbers are when he's on the court without Rudy Gobert because hmm. Gobert, he he's never standing at the three-point line, right? There's always somebody in that lane, always. There's always somebody in the lane, and therefore there are always defenders in the lane. And when things had spread out more in Memphis and Fisdale moved Mark Gasol all the way away from the basket, um, Things changed and things opened up, and you saw a different offensive Mike Conley because he is—he's a diminutive guy. But if you're always driving into an area where their people are, it's a different game. And maybe, maybe, maybe that would just fly in my face. Maybe he's not better when they when they bring in their backup. I suppose their backup, whoever they play, is probably like Tony Bradley, some and whoever they bring. Um, but I don't think that Gobert is a great big man fit for Conley. That's what Uh, I would say. For for what it's worth, uh, Conley with Gobert off the floor uh, is shooting three of 18 from three, six of 32 from two point range. Uh, So, so, so it's only 106 minutes, but that's, yeah. yeah, And and that's like the type of thing that I think there's something to that. Like, you're right. Like it's probably a difficult adjustment for him to have a big and, and, a soul that can pop or roll that can short roll and pass out of that going to a guy like Gobert, who is primarily a lob threat, a, 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 a loud explosive finisher around the rim, though he can finish with touch too. Of course he's, but the thing is, is how is that not something that can be good for him though? Gobert, yeah, I, Gobert well, I is one of the best, I one know, of the best, but that's ne- never been Conley. Conley does not throw lobs. Like even with Jaron Jackson last year, I bet he threw, I bet he threw less than five. I'm not kidding. I bet Mike Conley threw less than twenty alley oops yeah. in the whole time he was here. I feel like I feel like we're coming up with uh, what if he's just gotten old? He's a guy that had a, an Achilles injury two years ago that required surgery to alleviate the pressure off the Achilles, and now last year he was great. But this year, 32 years old, you know, yes, it could be situationally based. Maybe it's tough adjusting everything like family, adjusting to a new state on the other side of the country. There's a lot of factors here. He can't breathe. He can't breathe. (laughs) It's also possible. He actually, you know what? He actually possible that he's not healthy. That's also possible. He actually did mention that to me when I saw him. He was like, you know, that whole thing they talk about the altitude. He's like, that's real. He's like, even when we go on the road and then we go back, I still have to like adjust like every time. Wow. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, I just think there is an adjustment period that goes on. He's too good of a player. Yeah. He to not is. figure this out. And, and I, I hope to God he does figure it out, though, because I've loved I've loved watching this guy for years. Obviously, like you've seen him up close for years. But yeah. this this guy for so long in Memphis was I think one of the most underrated pick and roll playmakers in the league, his ability to create for others, his ability to score himself, to be a guy who's versatile, can score off ball, off screens, can spot up unselfish player who played hard defensively. Like there's nothing to dislike about Mike Conley as a point guard. And the idea of him in this Utah offense at the time I wrote, like this makes them contenders. 
And when you think about what he could do for Mitchell, what he could become with Gobert, that has not happened so far this year. It's been the utter opposite. And, and so much of that just comes down to Conley just not being good. But I, I hope whatever it is, whether he's just not healthy now, whether it's the altitude, whether it's the system, whether it's everything together, like we said with TV ratings, it's never just one thing. With Conley, it's it's probably not just one thing in this case either. And I hope I hope whatever it is, he's able to figure it out because this team, without him being himself, is not going to be able to reach the heights that a lot of people think they can. Yeah, well, and I, I was very high on them because of that, and he has just not played up to anywhere near his standard. And the other thing is, like I said, Kevin, I don't like their bench. I don't. I mean, really? I just went, I, no. I, I, uh, Jeff Green, Moutier, Exum, no. No. I don't like Moutier. There's no, there's no reason to like those guys. And so Jeff like, Green, you, Jeff Green, we've been through him before. Yeah, and, and Exum, I just told you. I mean, so <laughs> I still can't get over that. I don't, and, and Ingles has been awful, and he was terrible last year during the playoffs. Like I can't believe that the guy that emasculated Paul George two years ago is as bad as he is. But he has been bad, man. Yeah. Like hey, we argued about whether he looks like a basketball player. He doesn't talent wise right now. He's been <laughs> dreadful, <laughs> just dreadful. Yeah, uh, just to give the give your statement some context, he's shooting only thirty one percent from three after shooting over forty percent for his career, scoring only seven points per game. Assists are down naturally because he's not touching the ball as much. His, his numbers are down across the board in terms of his efficiency, uh, and I, I wonder how much of that is with him also adjusting to not ha- being a guy who has the ball in his hands as often. Yeah, I mean, he was bad last year during the playoffs. And he did not have a great season last year. Nah, he, he shot the hell out of the ball, though. And, and, he, and he was still a good playmaker off the bench for that team. Or not off the bench, but in a secondary role, I should say, alongside Mitchell and Rubio. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. Today's show brought to you by Stance. Do you remember when socks used to be the worst thing you could get at Christmas? Well, times have changed because Stance has completely changed the reputation of socks. Stance's socks designs are incredible, and they are insanely comfortable, and their durability is unmatched. From casual styles like no-shows and crews to their performance athletic product, there's something for everyone. And Stance has collaborations with great bands, artists, athletes, and brands. Like Star Wars, Kid Cudi, Wu-Tang, NFL, NBA, MLB, Elf, Carhartt, Donovan Mitchell, and more. Buy Stance socks by the pair or sign up for a subscription that's based on your preferences and your customized timeline. I love Stance socks. In fact, I just got a pair of the Hakeem Olajuwon ones. They are crazy comfortable. I can't think of a better gift to get and give this holiday season than Stance socks. And the Ringer NBA show listeners can get a free pair on their next order. All you have to do is go to stance.com slash NBA. Take the guesswork out of holiday shopping. Stance makes gifting easy and everyone will be happy. Stance.com slash NBA for all your holiday needs and free socks with a purchase. Let's wrap back around because we started this show talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 18 and three and have won 12 in a row. And we survey the Eastern Conference and think about what these other teams bring to the table. Um, do you look at it now like the Bucks should be the overwhelming favorite? If I gave you a team right now and I said, all right, Kevin, 
you got to knock off the Bucks when it comes springtime. What team would you choose? Toronto. Interesting. You are a believer. They have won, they've won seven in a row, and Siakam's been out of his mind. I think Toronto, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm writing about them for Wednesday on The Ringer, so check that out when it's out. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that I hit in that article are, are sort of touch on what we're discussing here because they have the ability to play so many different styles with their personnel. And I, I you think about what they've done so far this year with Lowry having missed 11 of 19 games and entering Tuesday night against Miami, a big game for them. They have versatility in the lineups that they can play. They have a number of guys that they can throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have long defenders, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. They have gritty guys that are going to come off the bench that have been playing while Ibaka has been out, like Hollis Jefferson or even Chris Boucher, who has looked really, really good in limited minutes for them. Ibaka is back now. Lowry could be back tonight on Tuesday against Miami. This is a team that, on the offensive end of the floor, they are not necessarily super dynamic. They lack that Kawhi Leonard player that obviously led them to the finals last year, but it's actually their defense this year that makes them so formidable. They are number one uh, in defense so far this season. They are one of the most versatile teams in the league and in, in the way in which they defend opponents. Sometimes you'll see them blitz pick and rolls with Marcus Ole. Sometimes you'll see them have Marcus Ole drop to the paint. Sometimes you'll see them aggressively trap or double team on the post. Other times they're just happy to play one-on-one and stay home against shooters. They are unpredictable and they have a lot of just very smart, intelligent, savvy players that are also athletic and long, get their hands in the passing lanes. They're tough to score against. And if you're thinking about the type of team that you would need to defeat the Bucks. I think they check a lot of those boxes with their personnel. All right. So how about this one, Kevin? I'm going to hit you with this. Hold on to yourself now because this could be devastating. So I was thinking about this the other day, and you know how Kawhi gets the Jordan comps sometimes. Like that's how there, there's a lot of things, especially uh, what, what he I, can do I know the, where you're going with the this The mid-range <laughs> or whatever. All right. In, in, in 92-93 season, uh, the Bulls end up winning the title. That's the year they beat the Phoenix Suns. And then Jordan... It walks away, okay? The next year, the 93-94 Bulls come back. They end up losing in the conference semis to the Knicks uh, in seven games, but they won 55 games that year, the year without Jordan, and their unbelievable player, certainly for the year, was Scottie Pippen. And it's very reminiscent in Toronto right now, is it not? Because... If you if you if you fancy Kawhi as the Jordan character in this scenario, Jordan walks away, and then this is the moment that Pippen becomes, you know, the lead dog on a team that could win fifty five games and play in a, you know, they're one game away from playing in an Eastern Conference Finals for goodness sakes without Michael Jordan. I think that we 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 became conditioned to if you lose a guy like Kawhi, you know, you're dead. But instead, this is a lot more like the 93-94 Bulls where, you know, they lose Jordan, but that was Pippen's time to flourish. And Siakam, you know, it almost lines up. If you you want to say Kawhi's Jordan and Siakam's Pippen, because here's Pippen's moment. Well, and, and the interesting thing with that Bulls team, you have guys like Horace Grant 
in BJ Armstrong that stepped up their play. You know, yep. it was it was primarily Scottie Pippen, but it was other guys too. Just so now like it's Fred Van Vliet. Yes, exactly. Now yeah. now it's Fred Van Vliet who with Lowry again missing eleven of nineteen games so far this season. Van Vliet, if I were voting for All Stars today in the East, I I think I'd have him on that. He's wow. been outstanding for that team. I mean, he's playing 38 minutes per game, leading the NBA. He's putting up 19 points, seven assists, defending his ass off. Van Vliet's been awesome for Toronto. So you factor in his leap that he's made this year. The, obviously, every, we've talked about Siakam plenty. Everybody's talked about Siakam. I'd have him fifth in my MVP vote right now. They've gotten the contributions they've needed from their role players. Never mind the fact that, like I said, Hollis Jefferson, Boucher, with Ibaka out, these guys have stepped up their games, especially on the defensive end. I remember, I think it was a week or two into the season, uh, Nick Nurse was like, Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson aren't going to play if they don't play defense the way we need to play defense. And Hollis Jefferson has been outstanding. Part of some of those bench units together, especially with Boucher and Hollis Jefferson on the floor together have just been really hard to score against. Terrence Davis, as an undrafted rookie, coming in, getting minutes, being productive on both ends of the floor. Masai Ujiri deserves so much credit for finding these guys, Van Vliet, Terrence Davis, these late-round picks, a Norman Powell type, and, and, and Pascal Siakam, and turning them, and, and then Nick Nurse, turning them into players on the court. This is a team from top down, with ownership to front office to coaching to players, they are top class. And I think moving forward the season, you want to see Siakam continue to make improvements as a playmaker for those situations where he can't get buckets and he can't score. And you want to see Lowry stay healthy after he's had some difficulty staying healthy so far this season. But this team, I underrated them into the into the season because I, in a way, I think I overrated the loss of Kawhi. And by that, I mean, this was still a top defense with or without Kawhi. Um, I don't think anybody could have seen these leaps coming in the way that they have. See, anybody could have said Siakam would be get better. I think you may have sounded crazy if you were to say he would become an MVP. Uh, and that's what's happening right now. And because you have a guy in Siakam who, real or not, I say it's real, Siakam right now is playing like a top 10 player, maybe like the ninth or 10th best player in the league. And you have a guy at that level who puts you on the cusp of, of being a necessary guy to make you a finals contender. He's not a top three, top four, top five guy. But when you, when you have somebody like this, you get a shot. And the rest of that team is so good and so deep and so versatile with the best head coach in the league and Nick Nurse. They get a shot, man. They really do. Here's what I, uh, you know, you said this off the cuff, and I, as you were talking, I was trying to jot down as fast as I can. You know, you're probably going to have the vote leaders, you know, when the fans vote, probably, interestingly enough, Kyrie and Kemba. Um, I think Simmons, maybe. And talk about fan voting, right? Yeah. Because yep. all these other guys, you know, Van Vliet, is Van Vliet going to get in? And I agree with you, deserving. You're talking Brogdon. Uh, Trey Young, you know, does he get in over a Brad Beal and Zach Levine, guys that are putting up big numbers on losing teams? You know, probably should. Um, no, I just don't uh, know not, where he not fits in all of that. Beal, Beal should be in. Okay, Beal so he won't. In, yeah. But does he get in over? I mean, hey, listen, Kyrie, Kemba, Brogdon, Trey are certain, I would think. 
Beal, as you say, certain. That gets me five. I mean, Simmons, Levine, Van Vliet. Uh, if you're picking between those three, you probably, I think me and you would say Van Vliet deserves to be there, right? Uh, yeah, it's 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 tight. And also, Ben Simmons could get in as a forward as well, depending on how the vote is structured <laughs> or whatever. Speak- I, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that as a joke. I mean it seriously. It's it's. It's like with with the all NBA vote, you're able to put Ben Simmons as a forward or as a guard. I don't know how it'll be an all star this year. All right. Last thing. Speaking of forwards, there is a forward that came back and then he won NBA player of the week. Oh, boy. For the Western Conference and social media imploded yesterday. Once Carmelo Anthony was named Western Conference player of the week. Especially after it's a week where, like, James Harden's going for, like, 60 points in three quarters or whatever he's doing. Like, what are they doing? Like, no offense. Look, and I I get that it's a story. I get that it got people talking. But what are they doing? He didn't even have that great of a week. I don't know. I've never cared about player of the week before. I'm not about to start caring now. I don't don't care. care. I don't care at all. I really, I could not care any less. I I mean that sincerely. I don't care. I've never cared about player of the week, Chris. I get those NBA communications notifications and then Woj and Shams and everybody tweets it out afterwards. I don't care. I don't care. Who cares? What have we ever cared about player of the week? Well, we cared this week because <sighs> it was Carmelo. Why, 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 why as a society do we do we look for things to get pissed off about? Well, that wasn't looking to get pissed yeah, off about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, it's like who cares? Just let it go. Whatever. Oh, no, no. It's it's only because it's Carmelo because it signifies that like, <laughs> hey, th- this I know is, I this know, is like a giant middle finger to every NBA fan, <laughs> right? Like, ah, oh, we're gonna give it to Carmelo. Like, why? Come on now. Right? Because, hey, look, they want the, they got the buzz. They got the buzz and they got people talking about it. I'll give them that. Hey, and you know what? In fairness, they have won three games in a row. And Portland, who is, I think they're game and a half back out of eighth place right now. You know, they were looking dead in the water. He has at least helped them win some games. Yeah, I I was going to say, you said he didn't even have that great of a week. It's like he had a good week. It was good. Carmelo's been been good. Carmelo's well, averaging eight. Yeah, yeah. The team had a good week too. Yeah, it just show, it just shows you, right? You're three games away from being back in the mix. They won three in a row. Their record still stinks, but they're game and a half behind the Suns and the T Wolves, who, you know, either of them are hard to believe in over the long haul. It's been it's been cool to see Carmelo, and he has he hasn't necessarily shot well out of it yet, but it's been nice to see them using Carmelo in the pick and roll as a screener. Yep. Often he's he's shooting out of the pick and pop. He's rolling to the rim sometimes. It's fun to watch. It's cool to see Carmelo used in this way. Uh, he's still you know jacking up mid range, still posting up a lot. But I think that that's by necessity right now in, in Portland's offense. It's partially by design. It's not like he's stepping outside of himself to do that. But but he is playing his role and doing the things that they need him to do. Trying on defense. There's still he's still not great, but he's trying. And he's setting screens, rolling to the rim, doing things that we haven't seen a lot from him in the past. It's cool to see that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Carmelo playing well through six games, and I hope it continues. 
All right. Uh, last thing. I did not prep you for this, but it, just answer honestly. Is there okay. any, because uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge is going on and a bunch of other college tournaments. We're kind of in the college tournament season. I know Michigan and Louisville are playing against each other. That's number four versus number one uh, tonight. Also, Duke, uh, Michigan State, uh, both those games are going on tonight. Is, are there any college players that you are attempting to go out of your way to watch recently or over the course of the next few weeks? Honestly, I think the last week or so, Chris, I've been focusing a lot on what's happening with international prospects. Lamelo Ball, RJ Hampton. I, I think right now I'm sort of starting that pivot. Uh, it's it's towards back towards college basketball. I just, you know, there's been some good games. We saw Ball versus Hampton last week. That was a good game to really tune into. Um, but with college basketball this year, this is really the time to start doing it. You're right. Um well, it's interesting series. because I was perusing uh, Gavoni and them's thing on ESPN yesterday. Their new uh, mock. Yeah, where they did the yeah. new mock. And the thing that stood out to me right off the bat was, boy, this is really guard heavy. I mean, there was oh, only yeah, a yeah. few there's only a few big guys involved. And I do think that the way the NBA, you are seeing the transition, you know, and I talked about this uh, a couple months ago, and I, I'm watching these games and I'm thinking to myself every night that maybe it has just totally flipped where the transition from college to the NBA for like a guard or a smaller player that used to, especially point guards, it used to take a couple of years and that nobody was good immediately. But now we are seeing not only good, but historic numbers being put up by first and second year players. And that maybe the transition is actually a lot harder for the big guy now coming out of college because we have seen some big guys that it has taken a little bit longer because of the way the game is played right now. And when you see the success of Luca and Trey Young and these guys, while big guys were taken ahead of them in some cases, I do think that it's unsurprising that you're seeing a board littered with Anthony Edwards uh, from Georgia and LaMelo Ball and R.J. Hampton and even the little kid, the Maxi kid from, uh, from Kentucky, and on and on. It's or, very guard heavy. Or Cole, Cole Anthony from North Carolina, since you mentioned the ACC yep. tournament. Cole yep. Anthony, potential top five pick, a likely top five pick. Yeah. And yeah, th- th- this year's class is super guard heavy, which was one of the, the focuses in my preseason uh, preview of, of the draft class. It's like the, there's so many teams that already have a point guard or at least a guy that they want to invest in. Uh, and yet we have a draft class coming in in which – it is guard heavy, like you said, Chris. And I do wonder if maybe this was something brought up to me by a couple of executives and agents before I wrote that piece last month. Does this mean this is a year in which teams can target a rotation playmaker on the cheap, whether it's in the lottery or middle of the first round or even late first round where you can get a guy entering a year in which there's not a lot of talent at playmaker in free agency and maybe you can find that guy in the draft instead, whether it's a high pick or not, um, to get a rotation playmaker for your own team. Yeah, the, to your point, four of the 10 that are ranked on ESPN's top 100 players that they have updated, four of the 10 are point guards. Cole Anthony, North Carolina, RJ Hampton, uh, who's playing overseas, uh, Nico Mannion at Arizona, Maxi at Kentucky, uh, if you want to slot him at shooting guard, you can. Oh, and then Halliburton, the kid that uh, Sharks just wrote about. You, you mentioned Lamelo Ball too. And Lame- oh yeah, and Lamelo. Jeez, Louise, that is a bunch, huh? 
bunch of guards, very, very guard heavy, uh, which makes it fun to watch. And there's still a couple big guys. Obviously, Wiseman's got the suspension. That Obi Toppin kid really made an impression for Dayton. Um, Looks good. Yeah, over the weekend playing. All right, next up for you is you say you got a Raptors article coming out? Raptors on Wednesday, yep. Cannot wait. Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. Sweet. See you, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps.